Welcome. Welcome to Sedaris. My name's Dave. I am one of the pastors here at Sedaris. Welcome to Sabbath Sunday. So I'm going to introduce um, someone who's going to share with us tonight. Uh, but before I do that, I want to, this is the last week in our series on family dynamics. And if you haven't been with us, let me just get us up to speed. We've been talking about how the church is the family of God. This is the way Scripture talks about the church. It's not just an event that we go to. It's not just a but it's actually a family. It's unlike any other community that exists in the world today in that we're not related biologically, but we're related spiritually as a family. And we've been saying if that's true, if that's what the family really is, the spiritual family of Christ, brothers and sisters with Jesus, Father, God, our ultimate parent, then what would it mean to live here as a family? And what we've said is that there's a few dynamics that should play itself out. One of which is that when we have big life decisions to make, we turn to our family. There are people, brothers and sisters in this church, that can help us make decisions. We also said that family, unlike any other thing in the world, is there for us in transitions. Because we're not here because of any one stage of life, but we're to the family of God. Even if we feel like the floor is falling out from underneath us, we can find our footing again. We also said that the family is serious about helping other family members grow up to mature in Christ. We don't let our baby brothers or sisters stay babies forever. We help them mature and become young children, teenagers, young adults, and hopefully parents themselves in the spiritual sense. Sometimes we have to discipline each other. We have to rebuke and reproach one another that we might find the right path towards growth and maturity. This, this are, these are hard things, but these are what families do. What did we talk about last week? <laughs> anybody remember? Was anybody here? What did we talk about? Commitment. That's... There's something about families that, through the ups and downs of life, the family's committed in a way that nothing else is. And the church should be that as well. Committed. I forgot one. Unity. We're unified, even though we have different personalities. So we're unified and we're committed. Now, all of this, when it works together, brings us to what we're talking about tonight, which is good families that live in the way of legacy. So our church family should leave a legacy. We as individuals should leave a legacy. And so today we have a privilege of hearing from somebody who I believe is doing the life of Christ as well as anyone else that I know right now. And she has left for herself a legacy here at Sedaris, and this is her final Sunday will live on for generation after generation in this church. Many of us sitting here were probably invited here by Laura or have been touched by Laura. So I want to bring her up here, and I want to embarrass her a little bit, as any good big brother would do, before she shares with us what she's learned about legacy. 
How are we doing? Sweaty. <laughs> I'm so proud of what you've meant to our community, um, the way that you've modeled what sacrifice looks like, the way that you've modeled what consistency looks like, the way that you've modeled what mission looks like. Look at this woman, friends. Be like this woman. And I guarantee you, you too will leave a legacy in the communities that you're part of. I'm very proud of you. And that's that we have put together for you, okay? You don't have to hold them while you preach, but... This is a journal, and there's some personal notes in it, okay? And there's also in this top card a little gift from us here at Sedaris to you, a little gift card to Amazon that you might buy some of the things that you still need to buy before you go to the Dominican Republic. If you don't know, Laura is leaving for the Peace Corps, what, in 50, 20, 21 days. And uh, this is her last Sunday with us. Um, and these flowers are, these are for you as well. So just hold them for a second and then I'll take them from you. Okay. Okay, so get your photos. Is somebody taking photos? Take a photo. If no one's taking a photo, get it right now. Yeah, get it out. Chris, come on. So uh, before she even preaches, because I know she's going to do a good job, but let's just give Laura, let's just give her a standing ovation. Okay, keep, stay standing, and let's just pray for Laura now, and then we'll let her share with us what God has put on her heart. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful woman that you've put in our lives, that you've placed in our family. Uh, we know that she is here, be knocked on our door saying, I want to be a part of this family. And uh, I'm forever grateful to my wife, Allie, for pushing me down the road, which is Laura Merlet. Uh, that um, she encouraged me to meet with her and talk with her about what it might be like to be a part of Sedaris. And then just thank you for the way that you've given Laura courage to step in when there was little to no structure and little to no job description, and she just kept uh, and thrive well for the glory of God. So I thank you for her. I lift her up, Lord, as a model for each of us here, including myself, to follow devoted service of Christ, even when life gets hard and the road is uncertain. She kept doing what you've called her to do in this season here at Sedaris. So we thank you for her. We lift her up to you, uh, to, you to her next mission, mission as she serves you in the Dominican Republic, as she brings the light of Christ through her work and through her personality and through her creativity and all the ways that you've made her to be, that she might be on her team and to the people of the DR a representative of Christ Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Okay, hi. Um, I'm excited to be here as sweaty and shaky as I am. I promise that I'm really excited to be up here and it's been such an awesome year and um, so yeah, I know Dave and Allie because um, of the inn, this college ministry joined a uh, core group my senior year, and my core group leader was Allie. And so 
um, by connection. I heard about Sedaris when it was just starting, and um, I knew that it was a community that I wanted to be a part of after my internship um, that I did at the end last year. So, yeah, I'm up here to share with you guys about some of the things I've learned and um, some of the things I'm excited for. I'm doing so through looking at this idea of legacy and what it means to have a godly legacy, to leave a godly legacy behind. Um, and we'll do that through looking at Paul, an example that he's left. Um, so, let me get my things in place. Um, so, Paul is someone that is uh, fascinating to me because of persecuting Christians to being someone that proclaims the truth and protects the truth that is the gospel. Um, and I just feel like that's such a powerful testimony to see that stark contrast of the beginning and the end of his life. Um, and so this scripture that we'll look at um, is one of the last letters that he writes to Timothy. Um, and it's, he's, right, he's basically passing the baton on to Timothy to carry on the work that he's been doing. Um, so, 2 Timothy 4 is in the very back. If you guys want to open up the Bible, or is it in the... Yes, it's in the bulletin, so you can look in there. Um, when I find it. Of course. Okay, there we go. Um, 2 Timothy 4 reads, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and re exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure, endure suffering, and do work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those all who have loved his appearing. Um, I don't know how I came across this piece of scripture, but I just love um, kind of the call to action that very, nope, seven, is very basic and straightforward of what he's done in his life. He has fought the good fight, has finished the race, and has kept the faith. Um, so I was interested to kind of look more into what that meant, um, and through all my hours of research, um, it was really cool to see what that meant in kind of an easier phrase to understand. So he fought the good fight. He is wrestling with the enemy. It's hard to be um, through the ups and the downs. He, had, he was a joyful servant. Um, through all those struggles and tension, he was a joyful servant. Um, he finished the race. 
and that's through an endurance of patience and urgency, which is something we talked about that really stuck with me um, from a few months back. And he kept the faith. He would seek truth, and he would share that truth and protect that truth. And just as we go through the rest of, of what I have, um, and my brain works best when things are organized, and so I did a little, what is godly legacy? And it's kind of broken up into three parts, so bear with me. But, so I think the first thing with a godly legacy, which is the example that Paul sets for us, um, godly legacy begins with God. Um, we, everyone in this to them, um, but I feel like a question that we've all wrestled with is why am I here? Why do I exist? What's the purpose for my life? Um, and this book that I read last year um, really kind of flipped this upside down for me. Um, so this is a quote from there. One of the most important things we can do in life is find out what we were designed to be and do. But sometimes the answer escapes us because we may not my life is not the best question to ask. I think the right question is simply, what is God's will? Once I know God's will, then I can adjust my life to him and his purposes. Um, and in reflecting in that, I was really challenged, too, to think about how I think about Sedaris, and part of our mission is this idea of the look up, look in, look out. And I had a very linear image in my head of first you look up, feeds your understanding of yourself and your gifts and what you're passionate about. Um, and then from there, you can look and see how you can put those gifts to use. Um, and this really made me think about it and how that can lead to selfish service if, if we're just seeing a connection between ourselves and the need in the world rather than in the way that we're learning about God, we're also learning about the needs in the world and part of what God is writing, the story that God is writing, not our own. Um, and if you think about it, passions, when we talk about what we're passionate about, we talk about like finding our passions or discovering our passions. We're, we don't create our own passions. And I think that is such a cool testimony of we are designed in a particular way and that includes the things that we're passionate for. Um, and I think that's kind of an avenue of how does that break his heart. He and each of us is given something that breaks our heart, something that we want to see change in this brokenness that we live in. Um, and so in the, in the scripture it says, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that can be fill in the blank. Do the work of an, I didn't think of examples. Fill in the blank. Um, and, but ultimately, so in thinking about this and reflecting on what's my ministry, what, am, what is it that I'm passionate about that I believe God has given me a heart for? Um, and I think a, a key piece of that is seeking and defending truth. And a special person's here. His name's Dwayne. And he... Um, he teaches um, in UW. So when I came back from a trip to the DR, my spring break of junior year, I was like, I want to sign up for everything. And one of those things was the apologetics class. Um, so it was three quarters of apologetics, three quarters of hermeneutics, which I did as an intern the next year. 
And I cannot put into words how meaningful it's been. Um, and how much that's helped me to really um, care to share that with other people, um, whether it's through words or through actions, but just uh, I think my sense of confidence has grown so much in a huge way because of what I've learned through you. So, um, and so I think my, one of the things I hope you guys take from tonight is that discovering our passions is something that takes work and it's something that begins with God. It's something that is already ingrained. Or in order to do that, I believe that it's so important to really seek truth and try to understand what we believe in and be, experts is the wrong word, but be able to own what we believe in and why. Um, and so I'm really stoked about Peace Corps because it's gonna be very different than what I've been doing the last two years. Um, but I get to go and live out some sustainable international development for empowering local voices and cross-cultural interaction. And so it's just a dream come true, and I'm really excited to see how he's going to use me in that. Um, and prepping for this has been huge because it's helped me to really think again and put things in perspective of why I'm going and why I'm excited and why it's important, and it's because it's something that God cares about. Um, so you guys, for you to, to think about, so in terms of this piece of godly legacy, beginning with God, um, what are the passions that God has purposefully made a part of your design? What is your ministry? And at the communal family level, what is our ministry as a church, as a church family um, and later we'll do a little activity that Dave will uh, introduce, but be thinking of what is our ministry? If Sedaris ended tomorrow, what would, what would still stand? What would live on in the hearts of people that we've been able to interact with? So that takes me to my second piece, which is godly legacy lives on in people. Um, I found this quote that is perfect, and I'm so glad because... It puts things into words and kind of uses an example of trees um, to talk about legacy and this idea. Where do you think it's best to plant a young tree? A clearing in an old growth forest or an open field? Ecologists tell us that a young tree grows better when it's planted in an area with older trees. The reason, it seems, is that the roots of the young tree are able to follow the pathways created by former trees and implant themselves more deeply. Over time, the roots of many trees may actually graft themselves together to one another, creating, an, in this way, stronger trees share resources with weaker ones so that the whole forest becomes healthier. That's legacy, an interconnection across time with the need for those who have come before us and a responsibility to those who come after us. Um, and I think this paints a really beautiful example of what it means to be part of a church plant. Um, and I remember early on, um, he said something along the lines of having a chance to leave my fingerprints all over this place. And I don't think I really considered what that meant. Um, he likes it when you use that word. So if you are trying to get on his good side, tell him you're considering a lot of things. Um, but 
Honestly, it took me a long time to understand how special and unique it is to be a part of a church plant. And you guys get and it's really exciting to get to be a part of it because um, a church plant is not just a small community or a startup or something like that. It's people together on mission for God. Credit to Dave. His words, not mine. But what's the picture of the, the trees and the roots coming together and being interconnected and all of these things and growing healthier because of that and sharing the resources to do with each other in this unique community. Um, and I think it also means that we have this idea of the need for things before us and a responsibility to the things after us. And so this idea that godly legacy lives on in people, I challenge you guys to think about people that have made an impact in you and why that is. Um, Because the world tells us that tangible things, and I think that's where the gospel challenges that in a very powerful way because relationship is what's most important. That's the the eternal thing that we're promised. And um, in terms of this healthy family dynamic, healthy families leave a legacy that is ingrained in people's hearts. Um, And we see that in Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy is someone that he's giving him this responsibility to carry on that work. And um, I just love that I've gotten to be a part of some of that here. And again, just challenge you guys to think, look around you and see who is pouring into you and who is in need of being poured into. And be intentional about that. Don't just wait around for that to happen. And even if you get turned down, do it again. It doesn't, I, I just think the hearts in this room have a chance to really create this really healthy family that we can invite people to, um, where we can create a legacy that's relational and that lasts. Um, and I had one more thing. I don't know. Um, So I think, yeah, just call to action that that Paul is, and and that's how a legacy lives on. Because once a person leaves or an organization ends or something like that, what is remembered is what's in people's hearts. When a person is gone, we remember the truest things of their character. not the things that they did or the accomplishments or the things that they built. Um, so I encourage us all to really think about how that is relational and is not about us, but it goes beyond to our family and to our friends. Um, and so lastly, godly legacy, I said, begins with God and it ends with God, um, which is in contrast to what I think we think about when we think of a worldly legacy. It begins with us. It begins with what do I want to do? What do I want to be remembered for? And it ends there. About who are we representing? And that's a huge thing for us as Christians is we, if we believe that we were created by God and created in his image, how are we representing him and how are we continuing to point people to God? Um, something that's really important that I've learned this year um, and a lot of it through conversations in fellowship group, 
is how important it is to bring things back to God and how I understand my relationship with him. And so in terms of scripture, in terms of experiences, I feel like I had a very selfish way of thinking, like, what is this saying to me right now today? What, from this experience, from this relationship, from whatever it is, um, what am I learning about myself? How am I going to move that into the next season of my life? And it's challenging, but I think it's so much more powerful and directional when we're digging deeper and thinking about his character, about his will in this world. What does this experience teach me about God's promises and his, his way of working in the world? Um, so if we look back at the text, he, Paul is talking about all these things that he did. The, the fight the good fight, finish the race, and keeping the faith. And then he, he's also using these action words to tell Timothy, like, this is the word, be ready, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Um, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. But there's also the piece that he's talking about at the end there, this crown of righteousness that is laid up for me which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. So let's look at it in a way that we can understand more about who God is. And the last piece of it, when he says, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This idea of the crown is something that is seen throughout Scripture and other places too. Um, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, but when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which does tell us about God. It, this crown is something, is a gift. It's not something that we build during our life. It's not who can have the shiniest crown, the brightest crown. We have no part in that crown being created. That is something that God has done and gifts to us for what? for loving him and for sharing that love with other people. Um, and I think that is huge thinking about in this place of um, being far away from God and persecuting Christians. And he finishes the race with God on his heart and people on his mind and how to share about God with those people and how to continue a legacy that will point people to God and will help glorify God um, on earth. And uh, through a study I did this year with my, with my small group, from the glory of God is, can be thought about in this idea of knowing him and sharing him with other people. Um, that God wants to be revealed. He's glorified when he's revealed to this world. And I think that's a really unique um, commission that we have that as far as we might not know what uniquely our role is and how we are impacting this world or being God's hands and feet in this world, but we are him to live out in his image and to point people to God so that when people look at us, they don't see us, but they see God. And they, we, oh, what's the quote? Um, we're created for the purpose of giving God's invisible character a glimpse of visibility. Um, and a, a preacher at UPC last year talked about us being tangible examples of God's character and love. 
And that's really stuck with me too of, of what God's character is and what his love is like. Um, and so what do we learn about God in this? We learn that he's gracious, he's forgiving, he's loving, and he wants us to live life to the fullest. He wants us to experience this crown of life, this crown of righteousness, which is only possible because of Jesus. It's not something that we earn or build on our own. So who in your life stands out as someone who points you to God, who represents God well in your life, who lives out the way that Jesus lived while he was here? And what are you doing to learn more about God? Um, Godly legacy begins and ends with God, and it lives on through people. And I believe, again, that this is a special place, and we have a chance to, to really do all have outside of this community. Um, so my prayer is that we'll be searching for those places where we can live relationally, we can be realizing that our strength and our confidence comes from God and understanding him better, and understanding what, he, what his will is for the world. Um, and it ends with God. At the end of our life, may we be people that continue to point to what we believe, what we've done. So I'm going to pray now. God, I'm just so grateful for this place, for all these people that I've gotten a chance to know and for the ways that you've revealed yourself to me through these people, through Dave and Allie, through Dwayne, through my parents. Um, this that doesn't end, that you're going to continue to reveal yourself because you're so infinitely larger than we can grasp our minds around. Um, thank you that you call us to relationship and that you, you provide an example of what it looks like to love well and to love selflessly. And God, just pray for those times when we're discouraged or we're confused or feel far away from you, Lord. Church family that is strong and special and unique and that you care about, care about us um, and that you're using us in spite of us. Um, thank you for that. It's so freeing to remember that. So as I leave this place, God, I pray for these people and this church and this family, just that you'll bless it as you have been and that um, through all the ups and downs and ultimately, God, for, for people to shine your light so brightly that it makes people want to know more and want to consider more about who you are. We pray in your name. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, yes. See, this week, um, it worked out perfectly that on her last Sunday was a talk of legacy. And her legacy will live on at Sedaris through, through many of us who have uniquely fallen into the root paths that she's already created. And... Um, Hopefully we're making our own for new people that we're bringing into the family here. Um, one of the things we said this, but what we said is godly legacy 
is not your name on a building, but it's putting the name of Jesus on the lips of others. And Laura, you've done that so well, that there are people who never said the name Jesus until they've met you, or that are saying the name Jesus more because of knowing you, of watching your example. That will be your legacy. Forget our church name on a building. (coughs) But your name will live on when people say the name of Jesus because of the work you've done. So I'm so proud of you, so thankful for for all that you've done here at Sedaris. So we have to take the baton now. We have to take uh, the momentum that Laura has helped create, and we have to continue to take it to people to get the name of Jesus on more and more lips. So what I want uh, to do over the next board, I want you to think about what do we want the legacy of Sedaris to be, of this family? When we, if we leave this community, what will we be remembered for? You can put anything up there. What do we want our legacy to be? We need to start dreaming about that together. It's not just me saying this is what our legacy will be. Each of us has to start saying, if you don't think about legacy, then you'll never start acting to make that legacy a reality. So you have to think about it, pray about it, dream about it, and then you have to start, as Laura said, acting towards that. You got to do all of it. Um, But before we do that, let me intro communion as well, so that we can participate in the body and blood of Jesus. On the night before, he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. He said, as often as you drink, eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. And as Laura said, when it comes to the crown of righteousness, that's not our own crown. We can never become righteous on our own. We become righteous. That's our crown so that God the Father sees us as he sees his son Jesus. That's why we can have restored relationship with him. And it happens because of the cross and the resurrection. So that's what we remember here. So When you're ready, you can come participate in the Lord's table by ripping off a piece of the bread, the body of Christ, dipping it in the cup, the blood of Christ, and eating it as a way of uniting to him, to the legacy of Jesus. You're giving up your name, and you're taking Jesus' name. That's what it means to leave a godly legacy. So think about that as you come to the table, and you give up your own name on the building to put Jesus' name on the lips of all those in Seattle. When you're ready, come have fellowship.